Solid community, welcome to the podcast. So glad you've joined us, especially since we're kind of in the run-up to Easter. Hopefully, you've been able to pace yourself to prepare for this week. You know, there are so many preparations for a service like Easter that it can be really easy to forget that we also need to prepare our hearts as well. And what we've been working on towards this week is, I mean, no small feat. It's a ton of work. And if we're not careful, you know, the task can bury us, and it's easy to lose sight of why we're doing this in the first place. And with skimming through my book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, I was struck by a verse that was in the conclusion of the whole book, which is Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, there are so many amazing words for us in these verses. I mean, these words aren't just for the people in the seats at our Easter services, they're for you and me as well. And maybe after you're done listening to this, pull out your Bible app and give it a read a few times. For those of you who have been in our Philo cohorts, you know this, but we do something called Lectio Divina, which is an exercise of reading scripture. And so you read, you reflect, you read again, you reflect again, you read some more, you reflect. I'm sort of like simplifying the whole process, but it's a way of reading and rereading and reflecting and re-reflecting on a certain passage. And I think this would be a good one to try it out with. It only takes a few minutes, but I think it would be worth your time to help recenter yourself during this busy time. So take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and read Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and see how that affects your heart. Another great way to remember why you decided to be a technical artist in the local church in the first place is to attend the Philo Conference, which is coming up on May 2nd and 3rd at Willow Creek Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois. And if you're listening to this in real time, that's about one month from now. And as technical artists in the local church, we spend a lot of time preparing for events, and we sometimes then miss out on investing in ourselves. And the Philo Conference is a great way to learn a new skill, connect with other technical artists, and to be inspired that what you do actually matters. That's really the heart of everything we do here. Our goal is to help you become more effective so that your church can become more effective. And this podcast and the Philo Conference and cohorts and I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, the book, you know, those are just a few of the ways we try to do that. The guest on today's podcast has been a crew member for several Philo Conferences through the years, and he is the production manager of the production team I volunteer on. James Jaskowiak has been at Willow Creek Huntley Campus for a couple of years, and as we've been serving together, it seems like there were a few good topics for us to discuss on this podcast. So let's go. I'm here with, well, the person I serve with at church and my leader and my the production team. <laughs> James, you're going to have to say your last name because I can never get it right. Yeah, it's Jaskowiak, James Jaskowiak. Jaskowiak. I would hardly ever say that. I'm ever anything under <laughs> anything above Todd ever. <laughs> 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 Lots to learn. Uh, well, I mean, when I show up to serve, I was like, "Tell me what to do, James." So, I mean, 
that means something. Anyway, thanks for joining us. My wife and I, we attend the Willow Creek Huntley campus. You're the TD there. And mm -hmm. I haven't been on a regular rotation, but served a few times and just really appreciate the leadership you bring to the team. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love our church. So, oh, man, I love, I love that community in that building so much. Yeah. It's, yeah, truly yeah, special. It's, I think the thing about it is that's so different for me. So, up until coming to Huntley, I mean, I was always on staff at a church, so always working there. And so my community is based around the people I worked with. Mm -hmm. And when uh, when I stopped doing that at Willow Creek South Barrington, it's just such a huge place yep. that if I didn't have yep. my built-in people, then I'm just like, it felt a little weird. And I mean, the fact that the Willow Creek Huntley campus is five minutes from my house. Yeah, that like, helps yeah, too. Yeah, I'm going there instead. <laughs> and now it's, yeah, it's like normal sized and... I have a small group, and so I see all mm -hmm. those people there, and yeah, it just right. feels more right, right. like a church family. Yeah, I had I had a very similar uh, experience with that because growing up, I was always at the South Barrington campus as well, okay. but I was always very heavily volunteering, and I would bring friends from high school, or I'd go with my, my mom or something, mm -hmm. and when you're volunteering and you're in that role like every week or every other week or something, you see people that you just know, and then it doesn't feel like the big church, sure, but, then, sure. <laughs> but then when you start taking a break off or, or if you come back for like a visit, if you've been away for a while, it's like, wow, now I understand why people feel like this is a shopping mall sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, I mean, and we'll get into it a little bit, but just the, when you're so used to doing something and you just come to church and you're not doing something like mm -hmm. that, just that by itself, it almost doesn't matter what, how big the church is. You know, it's like, right. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> this yeah, feels weird. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, maybe just talk about, so we served together mm -hmm. and just thinking about kind of the first time we met or like interacted. And I think it, I think for me, this is probably not the first time, but I'll just like the, as I've been thinking about it, I was doing some contract work for Willow Creek and we were doing an Easter thing at Huntley. Uh, we did the, like the first message was done at Huntley. It might've been mm. 2021. That might've been... First Easter thing was done at Huntley. Yeah, you remember uh, Dave Dummett gave the message from there, and we yes. had to record it and like uh, resi it out to all the yeah. Campuses. So there was that too. Yeah, that that whole time of life was a blur for me because I was also <laughs> yeah. going to college at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So recalling those memories seem <laughs> a little <laughs> a little compressed. But yeah. uh, what came to mind for me was the GLS in okay. 2021. We were a satellite campus. Okay. And since we were doing some broadcast stuff out to I don't know where, but uh, Todd and Shannon would have to be up on stage in between. They just, you know, give their like favorite parts about the service or whatever. Right. But uh, you and a team helped give us just a little bit of like a production boost with like the, the backlighting and some other stuff. Oh, right. Sure. And for me, that was the first time that I worked specifically with you and I actually got to like talk and get to know you. Like I'd, I'd seen you around and right, like Ryan right. would point you out and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first time I really got to like sit and like talk and like actually like yeah, learn yeah. a little bit too, which was good. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about. So you're the TD, at, or maybe it's production manager now. Production at, manager yeah, now. Yeah, at uh, <laughs> at the Willow Creek Huntley campus. But maybe talk about how did you end up here? Like, what mm -hmm. is your story, kind of leading up to this point? Well, I started as a young kid, obviously, <laughs> yeah. and I served on our Nez's team in Elevate oh, back when that. I was in. I think I was in sixth grade back mm -hmm. then, and he. I was just some kid who didn't want to like 
have too much to do with the church. Not because I had any strong opinions. I was just a lazy kid. I just wanted yeah, right? to stay <laughs> play video games or something. Yeah, yeah. But my brother literally dragged me to church after talking with Arnez. And he put me, Arnez, put me in the back in the video room with a button that didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, and just like little roles, ir- irising the cameras and stuff, doing little things like right, that. Yeah, and yeah. I would talk and I would, I would learn that. I was like, oh, they're like fun church people here that I can get along with really well. And it helped give me just a community. So I kept serving, getting more involved. I thought like being on a handheld camera was like the coolest thing ever when you're, in, it is. Yeah, when you're right. in middle school. And <laughs> yeah, and so just continued serving there and learned a lot from Arnez. And then eventually uh, moved over, did some lighting work with him and then I started working in audio under Tom mm-hmm. Tom Spindler in had it been like my freshman year of high school something okay. like that all right and just doing like real basic stuff and yeah and that just kind of like ignited a passion that was further beyond just like community I was like this is this is awesome to be like involved right. I feel like doing audio work which I don't do too much of anymore but doing audio work is like special because you're so uniquely tuned into what's going on in the room right, right. in a way that I don't think I get on a normal weekend anymore. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still do. That sounds like... <laughs> it's different. It's different. <laughs> yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah. And I just kept doing that, learning and getting as many opportunities as I could to volunteer. We did camps and, and all sorts of fun stuff there along the way. One of the biggest blessings, though, was my friend Micah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Micah saying he <laughs> yeah. and I used to... Every Tuesday, and for like, I don't remember how long it was. It felt like years, but I feel like it was probably more like only a couple months. We'd meet on Tuesday nights in the Lakeside Auditorium, and he would set up a virtual sound check. And we, he'd like run me through like very basic audio concepts to like more in detail and more okay. in depth stuff. Right. But we'd do these exercises of where uh, he'd start a he'd start a fifteen minute timer is what he told me a fifteen minute timer. Yeah, yeah okay. And uh, would clear the board. <laughs> And we'd we'd work through, and you'd build a mix in 15 minutes, and then I'd stop. Then he'd he'd go through, and he'd do the same thing in 15 minutes, and then we'd clear it again. We'd listen, and then we'd you know start sure. all over, and okay. we'd just keep doing that repetition and stuff. And that really helped to to develop me to like think critically really quickly. Sure, yeah, right. Which was which was a huge help. It, it only came out later down the line that he was actually giving me like 20 to 25 minutes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he would stick himself to the 15, <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> So I was, took a little bit of the air out of my sails. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I look back on those times really fondly. Huh. But yeah, through volunteering and stuff, eventually I started contracting for the church once I got into college. Mm-hmm. And I was studying I was studying music business, which is like the closest thing that kind of the, right. the yeah, wordage yeah. was similar to like doing production in the church. And I was contracting there. I was contracting through Joe and she would give me like little, little jobs here and there. But then uh, a spot opened up to work in the um, the college age ministry, which was the well uh, with like Faith Schiller. And uh, that was when I met Eli. And at first the, I didn't like Eli. <laughs> yeah. Eli is the worship leader at yes. currently yep. at Willoughby yeah. Huntley. Yeah. Yeah. He's my, he's my partner in crime, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we started, we started there. And uh, at first I, I, I liked him. I, that was sure, dramatic yeah. to say, but um, <laughs> he would, he would come at me with like just these like crazy ideas at the time that I would have like, an hour of setup time and then he would just keep throwing me new things and I would just keep going with it because it seemed like it was would pay off every week it was a lot of fun but yeah (laughs) 
We was that in the garage at the, so the South believe, Burlington campus? Uh, the well started in the garage. I didn't mm. jump on though until they were up in F three ninety two though. Okay, so a little um, more capabilities. Oh there, yeah, then. lots more yeah, capability. Yeah, from what he was telling me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the stories that came out of the garage era though were <laughs> really powerful still. But yeah, they were a little yeah hectic. definitely a little more jerry rigged. Yeah, that room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that adequately sums up our relationship of the well in that time. Was yeah, yeah. What can we get away with? What can we jerry rig to, sure. to make work? Yeah. But those are like really like those tough time crunches really helped refine me a little bit because it's right. like you have twenty minutes, make this work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but those times were were awesome, and and that helped us kind of like build a relationship. And so when a uh, position opened up at Willow Huntley, Eli put my name forward as, "Hey, I think this would be a good candidate." Oh, yeah. And I went through and I met with the I met with all the different uh, like ministry <laughs> heads at that time, and they always say that Willow has like a really long interviewing process. That's uh-huh. just kind of the reputation we have. It was not the case for me at all. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> From my first interview to my first day at work was two weeks. I was like, oh, wow. "Whoa, that just happened real quick." Wow. So there's a lot of life change that happened there, and it was a big <laughs> commitment to step into because I was still in my junior year of oh, college. Wow. But yeah, ever since then though, it's just been kind of kind of history of, of working and, and growing in that team yeah. at, at Willow Huntley, which has just been the greatest experience I sure. could have asked for. And I'm so glad I, I took that gamble, that leap kind of, because it was not on my plan to, to be out at Willow Huntley up, up until up until that moment. Willow Huntley was just like a building that was in my backyard, like you were right. saying. But I was always like a South Barrington congregant for yeah. years. Those where my family grew up. And yeah, so it's just been great. My my initial plan was to take Arnez's job, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> that was our that was our joke that we kept saying is that one day when he'd retire, I would just take, take that. Yeah, I would go yeah. there. But <laughs> so in a way, I'm a little sad that I'm not in, as involved in that old team anymore. But the new things that have sure. come out of it have just well. Been I mean, so Arnez awesome. might retire, you know, sometime. <laughs> I know, future, but now so. I'm, I can't imagine being anywhere else. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> So you're still relatively young. I mean, are you 23? 24. 24, okay. Uh, just that number. Uh, I have children who are that age, so yep. I'm like, oh, <laughs> awesome. Is it what you imagine, like going from a volunteer to, you know, now being mm-hmm. on staff to even going from like, you know, I would imagine the well, there was probably a lot of similar things to what you're doing now, like probably having to handle more than just audio. But I mean, audio is kind of your thing that mm-hmm. that you love, like the roles and responsibilities of being a TD at a local church, was it what you expected or nothing like? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Being being a TD had always been something that I was interested in. Uh-huh. Um, there was a brief period of time where I wanted to become an EMT, but I think God's voice was just louder in that time. And so because of that, I was always very interested in trying to learn as much as I could about what that would, what like the responsibilities would, would entail, what it would look like. I actually had a lot of different talks like with Arnez. It was great to have somebody like bounce ideas off of about, you know, going to college and what should I study? What should I do? But yeah, I, I don't know that all of, all of that definitely helped, but it was definitely a little more surprising once I got into the role to realize how, I guess how many meetings there are, <laughs> how much planning there goes into it. Real talk um, here, yeah. meetings, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that goes into it of just planning that I don't think I didn't understand when my relationship with it is show up, you have an hour to make this work, and then it goes. Right, right. But when you're 
in the role, like there's a lot that goes on when you're talking about like volunteer health, like your culture and, right. and then where are we going the next season? Like what other teams are we working with? Like there's that whole aspect. Uh, and then like I've been lucky <laughs> that I haven't had too many purchasing, <laughs> but like yeah. validating <laughs> your P card and stuff like that and keeping oh, yeah. track of all the purchases. <laughs> That's like a whole other side of it that like I wasn't thinking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that did come as a little bit of a surprise, but... Yeah, as far as like the responsibilities of like in the room on Sunday and like with the team culture and you know the the aspects of that 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 come with the territory that that seemed pretty pretty in line with what I was hoping it would be. Uh-huh. Okay. It is amazing the being a volunteer and like you said show up, do the job, go home, mm-hmm. you know, but it's contained kind of in the time frame. Then becoming a TD, which is a little more administrative mm-hmm. and less hands-on and, you know, more yeah. okay, trying to set people up to win. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like a, a yeah. totally different animal than, mm-hmm. you know, mixing and, you know, getting the perfect mix. Right, and right. I can remember for me, so audio was my first thing. Yeah. And okay. it was a long time ago. I knew I liked ago. you for a reason. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And I can remember, you know, the, like getting the perfect mix was like the goal. And I mean, mm-hmm. it never happened, right. uh, frankly, but I mean, I think, I think I can count on like one hand how many times I was like, okay, this sounds like <laughs> what I thought it should. Yeah. Uh, maybe less than one hand, if I'm honest. <laughs> That's kind of um, the, the point of it though, is the audio guy's never satisfied. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because for me, when I stopped mixing on a regular basis, I was like, oh, I'm really gonna miss this, mm-hmm. that component. Mm-hmm. But I found a similar kind of vibe in all the other disciplines that I ended up going through, including lead, you know, being a TD. You know, it's like they're the perfect mix as a TD is more about you know the team working well together and mm-hmm. you know people understanding their roles and, and having good chemistry with each other and right, right, and, yeah. and creating something together. I mean, I, there has been a couple times in my life where, oddly enough, one of them was the, it was in the summer of two thousand three. So I had interviewed. We were talking earlier that um, I interviewed at Willow Creek in two thousand, the summer of two thousand three, and after that, we had a big service at the church I was the TD at in Michigan, and I was just like in the back of the room, like I wasn't, I didn't have a role. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a choir on stage. So if you're an audio person, you know, it's like a giant nightmare to have like an open mics, mm-hmm. you know, and it sounded amazing. Like I could hear everything. Hmm. The choir sounded amazing. I could hear every other thing happening on stage mm. in a good way. The lighting and the graphics matched. And, you know, for yeah. us, that was like a huge, like, <laughs> oh, there's like green on the graphics and there's green light, you know, just because yeah, yeah, yeah. we were, I mean, back in those days, it was all gels and, you know, no moving lights, okay, and, yeah, you know, no yeah, like yeah. RGB, whatever, color mixing, you know, right, wasn't a right. thing. Anyway, I just remember that feeling of like the perfect mix, you know, <laughs> happening. And then I, then I, I'm like, I had so much confidence in that moment. Like, this is what I made for. Yeah. But yeah, totally different than just mixing. And it's also like, I kept, I felt like I'm in meetings so that other people don't have to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just like, this is part of what it means. Mm-hmm. Hearing you talk about achieving like your, your perfect mix in, in Michigan and then, and then leaving, I don't know, it kind of seems fitting in life because you never want to be in a spot of where if you're, if you're achieving your perfection every week, well, maybe you should be in a different role of find a little more growth or something that's right, like a little right. more uncomfortable kind yeah. of thing. So for you with the, being the production manager at church, like, do you feel like when you have 
uh, moments of time do you gravitate towards working on audio projects or working with volunteers or like what is kind of your do you have kind of a something you're always trying to get to hmm. like if you have a spare moment having the spare moment is the, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> is the the tricky part with that yeah i feel like i'm maybe not as maybe not as talented at, at, at being like an active rester you know of trying to to pursue something in my in my off time hmm. as much as i would probably like to be yeah i suppose trying to achieve just like better relationships i guess mm -hmm. with either your team staff team or with your volunteer team might be something that i, I would focus on sure yeah yeah, yeah. This is not a question we talked about, but I'm mm -hmm. curious, being a part of a larger organization than just your mm -hmm. campus, how has that been? You know, there are probably some people listening that are, you know, a TD at a campus mm -hmm. of a church, you know, not the main campus or uh, whatever you call it. You know, what are the pros and cons or, the, you know, the things yeah. that you love about it or the things that you struggle, mm -hmm. struggle with about it? Yeah, there's definitely both sides of that coin. There's a lot of good that happens from it because... If you have a weakness, well, most likely somebody else within the organization, that's going to be their strength, and they can right, come over sure, and help yeah. you out with that. The downside of it is a feeling of not having control, I suppose, sure. which mm -hmm. in, in like a ministry job, I mean, like you really shouldn't, I mean, you should have like a handle on what you're doing, but you're really not in control of what goes on. <laughs> I think that, you know, humbling yourself to, to understand that is kind of a big part of it. But being on a team that's this big is... We're still working out like the kinks for sure. So yeah, I yeah, feel like a lot yeah. of times we're either stepping on each other's toes or, you know, like communication is so crucial. And in an organization this size, when, you know, the wrong thing gets said or maybe not understood very sure. well yeah, yeah. or there's not like clarity, oftentimes that really hurts. <laughs> sure. Right. And uh, it, it can cause a lot of frustration. And so you really have to spend almost as much time learning to work with other people, like both outside of like, learning what what are they doing like why is that important why do i need to listen to them and like right. trust that just because it's in their hands doesn't mean that it's gonna like fall apart or break or anything because that's i think typically the the hardest aspect of working on a team is that you trust so much and you you know internally what that's like and, right. and you trust it because it's yourself but when giving that over to somebody else and like okay i'm gonna i may not fully understand your vision but i'm gonna go with it and try to support it so that you know in the long term you know christ will be glorified and, right, right. and we'll be able to reach more people or or do this in a more meaningful way than perhaps i alone could achieve right right which yeah sometimes that's that's like both the good and the bad you sure, know right right because the combined voices of all of us working together are shouting the same thing is much louder and right when it when it works right it's awesome yeah. like it's fantastic we can do things that you know we probably couldn't by ourselves right but right. yeah that's also we're still learning <laughs> yeah. i mean i think for most tech people and maybe most people in general like we like to be in control mm -hmm. of the thing that oh, i'm being held responsible to yeah and so in a large organization when you especially like with the central model and you know just yeah. like ah just campuses and all that stuff it's uh, it's hard to yeah let go of stuff that mm -hmm. Uh, you know, my performance review is going to be based on how well these right. things go. Yeah. And you're asking me to not take full control over them, but, you know, trust somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like not an easy place to be. And I just even hearing you talk for the longest time, I felt like the relational dynamics is the hardest part of the job. Mm -hmm. You know, 
whether we have enough, you know, of the right front lights or, you know, we were talking about that uh, mm-hmm. on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Having more, yeah, that would be good. But like the interpersonal workings of an organization is much more difficult right. in my mind. And I probably spent way more time on it than I ever thought I would. Mm-hmm. But it's also, if we're not in right relationship with each other, then what we're able to accomplish is minimized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, church is easy. People are hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, ministry would be a whole lot easier if it weren't for the people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, so you know, one of the reasons that Chelsea and I were talking about having you on the podcast mm-hmm. was just based on my own experience serving a weekend when you were not there. Yeah. And I don't, it's been a while now, and so I don't remember the exact situation, but I do remember there was something had something to do with pro presenter that I think everybody said, well, James normally does that. I'm like, well, guess what? <laughs> James isn't here, so we got to figure this out. And I think we we probably spent, in hindsight, you know, three minutes longer to solve the problem mm-hmm. than maybe if you were there. And it was something new that the, that the volunteer, you know, kind of had, they, there was a little bit of panic mm-hmm. in their eyes uh, because we're all sitting there basically, you know, we all weren't staring at her doing it, but we were all waiting for her to get it done. Yeah. And I think at the end of that, after the service was done, I, I, ta- I was talking to her and she's like, oh, yeah, that was a little bit stressful, but it was good. Like I, now I understand a little bit more how to get stuff mm-hmm. done, you know, this specific thing. Yeah. And it just got me thinking about the idea of, and I'll just put myself in this space. So many times my goal was how do I set this volunteer up to win and keep the stress at the barest minimum mm-hmm. and help them succeed at the expense of here's a person that understands more what's happening here and can have a little more autonomy, but it takes time to, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment of panic, okay, well, we're gonna, I'm just going to let you figure it out. And then right. if you still need something, I'll, you know, I'm right here, but mm-hmm. letting people struggle through some stuff yeah, it's it hard for me to do. Yeah, yeah. I think I feel that a lot too. And maybe it's something that I can definitely do better at. I think it kind of makes me think of that message Megan Marshman gave a while ago mm. when she was talking about being a small group leader and how she would just try to solve all of her girls' problems with her own wisdom and knowledge. Right, right. Instead of letting them like kind of sit in it and figure it out. I feel like I do that with my team sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little mama bird on them. Um <laughs> Because ideally, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to have to face these, these challenges. But we don't. That's not the case. We don't live in an ideal world. Sure. Um, there's always going to be like a last minute graphic ad, and if I'm pulled somewhere else, or in the season of the pandemic, that I think that was a lot of the times what would get me out is I kept getting red flagged of like, hey, you were exposed. You can't, you can't be here this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it was the panic of like, oh boy, now, now we got to try to set them up like remotely, and how are they going to walk through it and stuff? Yeah finding that balance or giving them the opportunity to learn in a safe environment yeah is is crucial for yeah. their growth and success i mean there were moments where i just in my own experience i had to figure it out and they would let me they would let me drown <laughs> tom tom was a great teacher in that <laughs> he would yeah. if something was wrong he would just let it be wrong until i would either hear it for better or worse or if i didn't hear it and then he would tell me about it afterwards yeah, and then yeah. it would be like oh, well you could have let me know but <laughs> You know, it's interesting when I think about my own story, I did not grow up in a production environment like Willow Creek, Mm -hmm. where it was like top shelf, you know, 
like you mm-hmm. could see it happening, you know, like in maybe you're not in that room, but you know what the standard is because, yeah. you know, it's happening. I mean, we we had so very little and I knew the most of anyone, you mm-hmm. know, which was not saying anything. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> so I was like, hey, we're going to. So when we went from doing audio, uh, just audio, we didn't have to worry about lighting. There was no video at the time. But they were like, hey, we need to do video overflow. I'm like, well, okay, I just like learn it. And I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. And so it reflected that, you know, our, mm-hmm. our video overflow did not look great, but it got better each week. And, you know, and so I had the mm-hmm. benefit of, well, if, if I can't figure it out, we're not doing it, you know, yeah. that versus we see it happening over here so great. Mm-hmm. How come it's not so great here? And so yeah. like the tension of letting something not be great for the sake of developing someone mm-hmm. because nobody can start at that you know top level right, without yeah working through challenging situations being and being given the grace to yeah screw it up if mm-hmm. if that happens yeah yeah it makes me think of two things i had a coach in high school that what did he used to say he'd say pressure turns dust into diamonds oh, or right. diamonds sure. into dust oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's that idea of like that refinement of yeah letting something kind of suffer and like be difficult i feel like the the td who came before me at at huntley nick i think he was like an excellent example of that because from his own words he said that he when he when he took that job he had never done any sort of <laughs> production thing he just like saw the job at or, or i don't know ex- what exactly his story was of how he got there but yeah he said that he was not very experienced and now he's like a super knowledgeable guy and he's a very talented videographer right, right. yeah he's a fantastic fantastic guy but i think a lot of that came from the pressure and stress of yeah huntley and like he's got like crazy experience now that I'm sure a lot of people would like kill for of like moving right. into a building and like actually having his hands on and like the install work and now being the guy who comes in afterwards and gets to like see like I can kind of like trace back of, like oh that's what he was thinking when he was doing this and I'm like sure, oh, that right. was smart like how do you get yeah, there yeah. like <laughs> still waiting for that to kind of click in me sometimes but yeah uh, the other part that really makes me feel of of is <laughs> I have a I have a good buddy who. He's one of those guys who's just not afraid to to break things, you know. Sure, right, yeah. <laughs> In the sense that if he breaks it, he knows he's got to fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that mentality has helped him just like soar in terms of just how he like learns to understand things from like a, a from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think that there's a lot of value a value in that, especially from like your volunteers and as your team. Like if I'm not going to be there, yeah, I want them to feel like they can they can right. function. Yeah, part of it too is just thinking about the the culture and the the environment that you're setting that I was about to say that it's okay to fail, which is maybe not the right mm-hmm. way to say that, but right. that there's a safe place for failure to happen. Yeah. Um, because I think this past weekend, we had a couple of like little things that like a mic wasn't working and yes. the keyboard yeah, was acting yeah, yeah. up. And there's part of it for me that that stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we talked about like, how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again? But it happened. Yeah. And I think on some level, the best thing that we can do in those situations is humanize the moment. You know, it's like, oh, you know, something's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is instead of trying to pretend like it didn't happen or as long as there's follow up to like, how do we make sure this, you know, what happened? As long as you learn from it too. And we're learning from it. But I think there was definitely some tension around you know, oh my gosh, this mic's not working and what do we do? And mm-hmm. like, just like, oh, it's not working. It's fine. 
I think even from how things are handled from the stage or the platform mm-hmm. also cr- helps to create an environment of safety. Because mm-hmm. I think that mistakes will happen and to no fault of yours or mine or volunteers or whoever, mm-hmm. but how do we, how does everybody respond when those things happen? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about something kind of similar to that in uh, our staff meeting, actually. Our old worship leader, Lee brought this up. Um, our old worship leader, Andrew Thomas, had a, uh, he would be able to keep a high level of expectation on your volunteer to provide that like pressure for them to do it. Sure. But it would be coupled with the warmth that he would have for that safety area for them sure. to operate into. Um, it would provide a, you know, an environment for them to feel that they have they have like a stake in the game, like, okay, there's pressure on me to do this right. Right. But also within the safety of knowing that if I don't do it right, it's okay. I'm going to learn and then I'm going to grow. Right. Yeah. That like, I was like warmth of excellence or something like that. And I can't exactly remember what she yeah. would say, but I think that that could kind of be like the lens in which you should like view your volunteers with because you want them to, yeah, like you were saying. I think as a tech person, I, I derive a lot of my identity, good or bad, probably mostly bad, from how well I do. Oh, yeah. How I'm well a, do the I'm service go? I'm a three on go? the Enneagram. That's yeah. 100% <laughs> yeah. where I am. Yeah, so the there's that going on. And so if I fail on some level, like I'm, I'm hard on myself, mm-hmm. first of all. But to be just hearing you talk about Andrew, like there's part of it that if you know me beyond my mistake – like, you know, my kids' names, you mm-hmm. know who I am as a person, and I'm not defined just by how well I do or don't do. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a big part of it, that that there's a relational component that involves, you know, the other parts of me that have nothing to do with the yeah. fact that Mike never turned on, you know. Yeah, and I think that that's so important, yeah, that people feel loved for who they are, not just for what they do. Yeah, not just their abilities. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a very powerful thing that definitely is in my life as a, as a testimony to what production has been, has been that community aspect of, of, of learning and growing with each other. I mean, it, just hearing you talk about Arnez, like I've we've done a few podcasts, of, this is like almost 100 uh, so <laughs> far, and I can't tell you how many times Arnez's name comes up, <laughs> oh which my probably gosh. means we need to have Arnez on oh, the podcast. Oh, you definitely need to have Arnez on the podcast. But one of the things uh, that I was telling somebody the other day was that Arnez works at the speed of relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of it is about the hang and the we get to do this together. Mm-hmm. And it does become more about the relational parts. And then the not that the production is secondary, but it's like that relational component is what helps create the environment for you to learn and mess up and mm-hmm. learn and do better next time and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And I think one of the challenges with it is that our world tends to want to move faster than that pace. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And especially in a in a big organization where again you can see production excellence happening, you know, in one space and maybe not so much in another mm-hmm. that we're able, you know, we're defining it by what we see outwardly. It's hard to keep that. I mean, I so admire Arnez for keeping that pace. Mm-hmm. Part of it is who he is, you know, it's it's yeah. that relational component is what he's about. Uh, so maybe it's been easy for him to keep that pace, <laughs> but to be in an organization that wants to move faster, you know, he's kept it going. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the list of people that have come out of there, yourself included, mm-hmm. that could say, Hey, Arnez took me under his wing. And yeah, it is kind of funny. 
because in terms of you know organizational structure, like he's not there in in the top to make the the decisions, but just from serving humbly in his in his role and caring about the people, he has really shaped the way that a lot of the Willow culture just is. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. By yeah. who he is and by the process in which he's operated for so many years. Like we all get together during our meetings on on our big Tuesdays at at, at South Barrington together and we're all having a great time laughing. It's friendly and but like I feel like every person in that room, maybe one or two new guys not included, but every person in that room has served or started or like has that cheery contagious behavior that that he kind of inspired in all of us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. In my life specifically, he's been a huge huge influence <laughs> yeah good old arnez yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think so part of it is you know giving our volunteers space to kind of learn and make mistakes and mm-hmm. keep learning from them and figure stuff out without jumping in at every second yeah part of that is a communication component for you as the production manager to say to your worship leader hey you know i need this person to you know learn a little bit more and so i'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm going to not hang them out to dry, but this might take a little longer. Yeah. You know, just that it's not something that we decide one day we're going to develop people more. And so we're going to, you know, eat up all the rehearsal time with them learning. But I think to have a conversation to say, hey, this is developing people is an important part of what we're doing. So we just need to give ourselves a little bit of margin to do it mm-hmm. instead of just doing it that way. Yeah. I mean, part of it, when you were on vacation and I was filling in, they're like, well, this is our solution because I don't know how to do it any <laughs> yeah. faster than you do. So just like, let's figure it out and whatever. Right. But I think the challenge is when you are there, you know, you were saying about Tom Spindler, like just jump in and fix it. Like, how <laughs> do you not, you don't want it to bomb, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to jump in and save the day at right. every moment. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting dance. I think- because I can't, you're right, like you can't give them too high of a stressing environment or, or, or right. scenario where if they fail at this, it's going to totally, you know, it's going to embarrass them. They're going to be hung out to dry right. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But I think in the every week while I am there, something that I learned this past weekend, based on the way that I was treating one of my very high capacity volunteers, is being okay with setting a high expectation. Yeah. Because I think so often... I, I have the mentality of they're volunteering on a weekend, not their full-time job, and it's church. You know, like yeah, I want them yeah. to feel, you know, empowered and uplifted, but also like still involved in what they're doing. And so I had this moment with one of my volunteers where we had a difference in expectation of how this was going to go. And hers was actually higher than mine of like <laughs> what I was expecting of her. She wanted to do it better than what I was like setting the bar. And I realized I was like, well, that's not loving on on my volunteers in a in a good way or my mm-hmm. church in a good way to like lesser what we're capable of just for fear of of scaring or stressing somebody out. Right, because right. in those environments when when they're able to, you know, stretch and grow in the in those harder, you know, harder to achieve moments, they feel way more in control of their craft. Like they're way more invested right, now on the right. team and they're like and then if it works, they get to walk away with like, that was a victory. And now yeah. I'm even more excited to do it the next time. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's definitely been something that <laughs> was, a, was a wake-up call for me this past week. And I'm kind of excited to, to continue to, to refine because yeah. it's exciting to take new steps. And I think yeah. everybody wants to do better. Not that 
they're feeling bad about what they no, are no, doing. Yeah. But I think everybody's just natural. That I want to be better. I want to. I yeah. want to grow, and I want to feel invested here. I mean, I think there's some part of it that, at the extreme, it's very easy to set our volunteers up to the point where they're just hitting the arrow key. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure everybody on your team is capable of more than that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe with a few exceptions. <laughs> but like people want to be doing more. Like mm-hmm. even, you know, Ronnie on lighting, like he wants to learn and understand, mm-hmm. not just hit the go button. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think the the other part of it is that I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be on a team that's crushing it. Mm-hmm. Like, would you rather be on the last place team? in the conference or the first place team. Right, yeah. Well, like we, if we all had the chance, we'd want to be, uh, I mean, I think we want to be on the winning <laughs> team. And that comes with hard work and, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Mm-hmm. But I think nobody signs up to be on a, a team that's like totally bombing. Right. You know? Yeah. They want to be a part of something that's, that's myself include you too, probably. Like the, we want to be about something we're proud of and, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to call people to that, I think that it's a little bit at odds with the setting them up so they're only pushing the space bar. Right. It's like we need to ask more of them if we're going to, you know, have more capacity to do cooler stuff or whatever the goal is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember having a a conversation with a a friend of mine from college about how I – I can't remember how the conversation went exactly, but I remember saying – how proud I was of my team because I don't need to be there on a Sunday. Like if mm-hmm. need be, like they could, they can fully function without me there. And at the time you made fun of me for that. And he's like, yeah. Oh, so you're telling me you don't really need to be at your job. So that's yeah, telling me yeah, you're not yeah. very good at your job. <laughs> and then he got a job in ministry doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And like two months later he came back and he was like, you know, I finally understand what you meant by that. Yeah. It's like, that's very <laughs> impressive to have a team that doesn't need you to be in that seat right, telling right. them what to do. Yeah. So, it, and that's like a humbling thing, especially in our like goal driven, like achievement driven culture. Right. Not, not like in Willow, but like in America sure, in yeah. general. Everybody wants to be, you know, like validated, like you were saying. And sure. so it's kind of a weird, a weird dynamic a little bit yeah. of like letting yourself kind of like, okay, I'm going to take that step back and let them them flourish yeah i mean i have to say the like what we're talking about like you said is very at odds with kind of how even how we're wired up you Mm -hmm. know internally one of the things about production that's difficult is that if we're doing our jobs nobody notices Mm -hmm. you know it's like completely invisible yeah okay yeah great so i've in my lifetime i've you know, mixed audio, I've done lighting, I've done video editing and directing and, and lead, you know, leading a team. And at each one of those stops along the way, I only ever got complaints about the mix. No one ever said great job ever. Mm -hmm. When I was doing lighting, I had one person in the congregation that would come back to me like, that was amazing. (laughs) And that like, that felt great. It was just one person. Yeah. Then when I started doing video editing and like stories and stuff like that, you know, to hear the congregation clap after something mm-hmm. that I had done. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that feels great. Uh, the thing, uh, though, about leading a production team is that nobody knows, no one's going to say great job yeah. <laughs> because nobody, nobody, doesn't, nobody knows what any of the other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so just to be standing back, letting, you know, letting oh them do their thing, it's like you're way in the, I mean, you thought you were behind the scenes. <laughs> Bro, you're, you're like yep. way, you're behind the behind the scenes. <laughs> we had my wife's family come for 
Easter or Christmas or I think they've they've showed up to to multiple of them, but I remember they they insisted on sitting right behind me <laughs> yeah. in the service. By that point, I, I always make the analogy that it's like it's like setting up dominoes. By that point, I've done all of the work already. I just I say go, and then the team just kind of right. goes. Yeah, yeah. And then all the dominoes fall over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so after the service of keep in mind, this is like the Christmas Easter moments or yeah, like yeah, the right. Super Bowl of time, the church right? world. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're <laughs> you're stressing out, and by the ending of it, he's like, yeah. So James watches TV for a job because I'm staring <laughs> at my. My video monitors showing me what all the cameras are doing, right, trying right. to make sure everybody's like <laughs> yeah. locked in, catching what it is. And I was like, oh my gosh, you have no idea what the last <laughs> yeah. like month and a half of my life has been. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's a hundred percent that of like, yeah, when when this and then when the team does do well and there's like a moment of of like exceeding performance yeah. by one of your volunteers, like it's it's theirs. Like and you yeah, want yeah. that to yeah, be yeah. theirs too, which is kinda yeah, that was a little bit of a like, a, oh, this is a humbling moment for me kind of thing. Because, yeah. yeah. There was a, this is going back a ways, but we had done a big Christmas production. Mm. And somehow we were making a DVD out of it available, you know, for people to purchase mm. or whatever. And on the DVD, I don't know if you remember this, but there's a, usually a channel of commentary. Mm. Do you remember this? Mm -mm. Yeah, this is going back away. So you could, <laughs> on the menu of, the, of a DVD, you could listen to, like, the director of the movie talk about it while oh, the okay. movie's yeah. going yes. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're only doing this if you've seen the movie a few times and like, mm -hmm. oh, let's hear what the writers think about, you know, this movie. So for the service, they gathered a bunch of people together to do commentary for for this Christmas service. Like, this is how we did lighting or this is what we were thinking in the set design or, mm. you know, so they had all these different categories of people. And then they had sort of the TD production manager. We've sat down to watch it and do commentary. And the thing that I noticed as we were going is that the only stories I had to tell were somebody else's story, <laughs> but that I had, you know, in my job had sort of set them on this, you know, help mm -hmm. grease the skids for them, you know, yeah. clear the way so they could do this thing. And so the whole time was just one thing after another that was not actually my thing, but like the audio team. or mm -hmm. And so eventually uh, when the DVD came out, my commentary was not included oh. <laughs> which is totally fine because yeah it was like i feel like i i just help set people up to mm -hmm. win and but that was you know they were doing you know all the cool stuff was all them yeah uh anyway yeah just like a very different way of especially when you're thinking about if we're getting our identity from how cool something is or the mm -hmm. thing we did or how well we did or didn't do like being a leader of a production team I mean, you better get your identity from somewhere else because yep. <laughs> you're never going to get it from somebody <laughs> patting you on the back because they don't know they should. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's safe to say about, especially so. Yeah, when you're leading the production team, absolutely, you cannot, you cannot be looking at your own achievements for your identity. But I think if you're going to be in ministry in general, like that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where you got to be. I, I'm always super critical of worship leaders. I'm not going to go on my my soapbox. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say like that's why I love the team that I serve on is because. I can just see so much of who they are, not necessarily just in how they're leading on a Sunday. Like I always have problems when like the person that's like leading me in worship, it acts differently on a stage versus sure. how they act off the stage. Yeah. And so if you're going to be in any role on a Sunday and you're showing up, yeah, you got to understand that it's, and that's the other kind of unspoken thing maybe about leading on a team or, or like volunteer culture is, yeah, we're doing like cool things and yeah, we have like all these fun toys, 
but like that can't be your motivating factor right, behind right. yeah behind serving. I find that it's it's the kind of the shiny fun toy gets some people interested in doing production, mm-hmm. but I would say guarantee people are coming back because of the relational components. So yeah. I just even think about the team at Huntley. It's like mm-hmm. it's the same people. Yeah. You know, they they love serving together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why they're doing it. You know, it's like, yeah, there's, it's cool what we're doing, but it's more about like being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love my team there and they all have great hearts about what they're doing. Yeah. And they're yeah. all super invested too, which is, makes my life easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. This has of been course. a great conversation. Mm. And uh, yeah, see you on Sunday. See you Sunday. <laughs> I love James' story of how he got into production, and I think that Arnez Bonsal has been mentioned more times on this podcast than any single person. Uh, I mean, the number of people that Arnez has invested in over the years is simply beyond counting, and it goes along with many conversations I've had lately and how important it is to build in time for life, not just developing people to get the task done, but just about being together and giving people a place to belong. You know, I see James each week living out what he's learned from Arnez's example, not only living life with his team, but also, you know, having conversations with his volunteers, encouraging them to take the next step in whatever role they might play on the team. All right, don't forget Philo Conference one month from now. You can check it out on our website for all the details, like what breakout classes we have available. They're all there. So go to philo.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Philo Community and on Twitter at Philo Conference. So thanks for listening. It's super helpful to know that this content is meaningful to you. So if you could, feel free to give us a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And all right, see you on the next one. Bye.